Welcome to Aquifer's Educator Connection Podcast, where expert health professions educators share their tips about using Aquifer's virtual patient cases and resources to enrich learning. I'm Lynn Robbins, your host for this first series on lessons learned from COVID. This series will spotlight teaching successes in the face of COVID constraints. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Tracy Marquis Eidman, who'll discuss how she used aquifer cases to support students transitioning from preclinical to clinical learning. Dr. Marquis Eidman is Associate Professor of Family Medicine, Assistant Dean of Faculty Engagement, and Director of the Maine Longitudinal Integrated Clerkship at the Frank H. Netter, MD, School of Medicine at Quinnipiac University. Welcome, Tracy. Thanks for making the time to speak with me today. Thank you, Lynn. It's my absolute pleasure to be here today and to share a little bit about our clerkship's journey. Tracy, could you tell me a little bit about the context in which you teach and the teaching that you do? Absolutely. So I am the clerkship director for a Longitudinal Integrated Clerkship, or an LIC, in Northern Maine. And just briefly, for those who may not have heard of an LIC, what this is is a third-year curriculum in which students do all of their core rotations, so inpatient medicine, OB, pediatrics, primary care, psychiatry, and surgery, in a longitudinal fashion throughout the year instead of in discrete and concrete blocks. And the the intent of this is for students to develop a more holistic approach to patient care. And it's also been shown to lead to increased retention of of the clinical material and facts. And my role as the clerkship director is to oversee curriculum design, Uh, to make sure students achieve all their encounters and procedures and learning objectives, faculty development, application and selection of students, evaluations and assessments and advising. So, you know, in this podcast series, I've been following up with the folks who presented at that earlier Aquifer webinar about lessons learned from COVID. And there you described implementing a hybrid course using the aquifer cases to provide an orientation to your students who are transitioning from their preclinical to clinical training. Tell me why you felt it was essential to create this hybrid course. Uh, thank you, Lynn. That's a great question. So we, we really had three different challenges. The most obvious challenge that we were facing at the time was the one that everybody else was facing at that time, which was restrictions placed upon us due to COVID. The other two issues were non-COVID related. One of those issues was the issue of learners struggling with that leap from preclinical student to clinical student. For students to shift from just memorizing facts to application of that knowledge in a clinical setting, it's difficult for them. And it's not always clear cut. Um, They have to look at multiple layers of clinical knowledge within one patient or in one situation And with our holistic approach to patient care, that seemed to be even more amplified. They're also used to seeing themselves as, quote unquote, just a student. And now we're asking them to be a vital member of a team with rapidly moving parts, shifting demands, and that degree of responsibility can be overwhelming 
especially in our setting where there's no residents and there's no other students and the spotlight on them is just a little bit brighter. So I wanted to recognize that important stage of professional growth in some way and highlight some key skills that I thought would help students to adjust to this new clinical setting. And then the third piece for us is something that our school is really starting to look at in more detail, which is health system science. But we didn't really have a good curriculum time devoted to that yet. And so I saw orientation week for us as an opportunity to begin that discussion with students and to start talking about some tools they can use to build that foundational knowledge. And then when I saw the tools that they had an aquifer that spoke to that, I said, hey, let's let's get this conversation started. What did you really feel like you had to build into this transition period? So there were six main areas within aquifer that I used to build our orientation course. Um, it was culture and healthcare, um, diagnostic excellence, high value healthcare, um, oral presentation skills, student learning resources, and clinical practice guidelines. And then after I prioritized what I felt would be high yield cases, I made up a list of 15 required cases and another 30 or so optional cases if the students wanted to explore an issue or a topic with any more depth. Um, and then the students are given that list of cases uh, two weeks before the LIC started in case they wanted to spend a little bit of time on it ahead of time. And then I gave them protected time during the week to get it done. And then the rest of the week was dedicated to in-person sessions and team building events. So the structure was that you gave them a list that they knew they had to accomplish. Mm -hmm. They knew what was essential and what wasn't essential, and they had a time frame to complete. Correct. And then we were and then we were able to track who had accomplished which task by the end of the time. And if there was a student um, who hadn't accomplished um, any number of cases, we could provide them feedback of, um, hey, you have to take the case to completion. And so I was able to track to make sure all students had accomplished the goals. So you knew that they had, had at least gone through the cases. Did you have a way of assessing the quality of what they did within a case? So there's not a grade per se. There's just a degree of completion. But some of the higher um, yield items, for example, um, interprofessional health care, um, some of the patient-centered interviewing skills, and um, high-value care and diagnostic errors, those things circle back in our didactic curriculum later on during the year. Anecdotally, it did add to the robustness of the conversation later in the year when those topics came up. Okay. And so what was the student reaction? So it was interesting. So the, their first reaction when they saw this list was probably a few groans because they just saw the list, right, um, of requirements that must be accomplished. But then once they started to get into the cases, the feedback was positive because it was topics that they weren't necessarily expecting in an orientation week, and it was interesting topics of conversation. Um, they also said that they appreciated the opportunity, as they put it, to dust off their skills on clinical reasoning and oral presentations before going on the wards. We're going to learn a lot along the way, too. You know, again, I selected 
15 modules based on my best estimation of what was needed at the time. Um, and again, it may not be that same list and it may be shorter. It may be some things will be taken out and other things will be added in. And some of that will also come from student feedback. So at the end of the year, I do a one-on-one -on -one exit interview with all of the students. So part of my list of questions is, um, you know, what can we do better for orientation? Can you recall any faculty feedback? I think people would be interested in knowing how the faculty felt about this. So the faculty didn't have as much to say about this as, as I would have thought. I think the feedback that I got was, you know, thank you for taking a topic off of my plate. <laughs> that was one reaction I heard. Um, the feedback that I got from my dean of education was very positive because I think us deciding to address some of these topics has stimulated a similar push with the traditional clerkships to address health system science and other topics that have not historically gotten much press time. So going forward, right, you created this thing and you learned from it. So going forward then, if somebody were to want to implement a hybrid orientation, which is, I think, honestly, it's a really excellent way to do it because I think we both know that orientation week, it should probably be like orientation month and everybody struggles with that. So going forward, do you have some ideas that I think your colleagues would really want to know about how to make orientation more successful? I think some things I would take away, I mean, if I had to list, say, three things, you know, here, here are my top three, and, and I had to be specific, I would specifically say to prioritize what you want the students to take away from your course, and be mindful of not overwhelming them with just a list of cases. I had, I began with a list of about 40 things and I had to whittle it down to my top 15 that I thought were the most impactful and meaningful. And they were across the gamut of the items that we've talked about. Um, and in hindsight, I should probably have whittled it down even a little bit more to say 10 to again, give us time to debrief, to digest, and to give them time to, to reflect on what they've learned and really decide for themselves what they want to take away from it. So I would say, number one, prioritize what you feel is most important. Having said that, do you need to do all of those things in your quote-unquote orientation week, or can you distribute those over a chunk of time throughout your course? The second thing is, I guess I've repeated myself a couple times, but follow up with the students for a summary conversation to make sure that their highlights are what you consider the highlights that you want them to take away. And my third thing is to keep in person the things that are best left in person. So the team bonding, getting to know faculty and staff, some hands-on sim sessions and orientation to the hospital itself. The hands-on SIM sessions, if you have a SIM lab or a SIM tool, I think why, why else those are important is it also helps to frame that professional shift from memorizing facts to applying it to a situation in front of you. And it helps the students to make that mental leap of hands-on clinician and not just 
somebody who's memorizing test questions. Well, that's great. Well, Tracy, I really appreciate your taking the time to speak with me today. I think what you're doing is is really important. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on the podcast and, and again, for giving me this chance to, to share our story and hopefully others will learn from our experiences and I can learn from theirs. Thanks for joining us this week for Aquifer's Educator Connection podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion about using aquifer cases to orient preclinical students to clinical learning. Show notes from today's episode with additional links and resources are available on aquifer.org. There you can also find information about our Lessons Learned from COVID podcast series, our Teaching Perspectives and Pearls blog, and our webinar and web shops. You can subscribe and listen to the series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter to keep up with the latest news. While you're at it, if you found value in the podcast, tell a colleague and leave us a review. Until next time, be well. The Aquifer Educator Connection Podcast is a product of Aquifer, your trusted source for clinical learning. It is produced and hosted by Lynn Robbins. The show's executive producer is Eileen Olszewski. Audio editing and mixing by Matt Perkins. The show's artwork was created by Carrie Waters. The theme music, Little Idea, is written and performed by Scott Holmes. For more information, please visit our website, www.aquifer.org.